podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to The Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Tuesday where it's an international break, nothing is happening, and why are we having another international break? We just had one. Why is there another one? And why is there another one next month? Why do we need these international breaks? What purpose do they serve? These qualifiers are a joke. Most of these teams playing in qualifiers won't qualify, ever. And if they do then congrats to them, but they're going to get walloped. Now, look, I don't mind clubs, I don't countries going through the qualification phase, but I do think we should have tiered qualification. You know, I do think there should be different stages of qualification. And there's certain countries that what's the point in making them qualify when they're going to get through every single time? But however, nothing we can do about it. We might as well go around the main Liverpool websites because there is quite a lot of good stuff on at least two of them uh, that I've looked at, including our own AnfieldIndex.com. On This is Anfield, Joanna Durkin has a really good piece up about Alexis McAllister, Waturo Endo, and Liverpool's number six role. And <sighs> look, there's been some really strange people trying to make the case that Alexis is fine as the six. He's not. You're not getting anywhere close to the best out of him. This idea that he played the same role at Brighton just isn't true. He played in a double pivot, in a totally different style of play, in a team that were not particularly good defensively. And he played in that double pivot largely with Moises Caicedo as the primary defensive player. And then the silly people will come back with, oh, but Alexis has better defensive stats. In the same way that Thiago had better defensive stats than Fabinho, because when you're not that six, and you don't have to be disciplined in the role. You can go and be disruptive. You can go and get those stats. When your job is to protect that defense, to hold that midfield together, to be the reference point for others. You're not going to collect those gaudy defensive stats. Like, just because a player has good defensive stats doesn't mean they're good defensively. Much of it comes down to mobility, positional awareness, spatial awareness, tactical discipline, the ability to rotate from holding midfield into centre-back, back back into holding midfield. 
to be able to cover sideline to sideline as well as dropping in between your centre-backs, filling in at centre-back if one of them moves forward or has to shift to full-back. It's not just about tackles and interceptions, which are both dreadful stats, it's worth pointing out, because tackles have very very little meaning. Lucas Leiva used to win the most tackles in England. He also used to lose the most tackles in England. And he lost more than he won. He wasn't good at tackling. He just tackled a lot. But people would use his defensive stats as a way to try and big him up. Interceptions are a dreadful statistic as well. Because first and foremost, if you tell me someone has two interceptions, did the opponent just misplace a pass to them? Did they have to read a play and jump the pass and get there before it reached its destination. You don't give me contacts when you just tell me interceptions. There's also no stat for missed interceptions. And again, to go back to Leva, he used to lead the league in interceptions. But he also used to charge out of position four and five times a game, trying to intercept balls, not get anywhere close to them, and then leave big swaths of land in behind him. And Thiago does that. Thiago does well in interceptions. But he also misses a number of interceptions and leaves space behind him, which was one of the issues when he played as a number six. Before we get into the lack of mobility. And it's also, it's another thing to say, oh, well, you know, they make this many tackles, they make that many tackles. What context are those tackles in? Are they tackling people running at them from midfield with spa- at pace, with space behind them, with space either side? Like Fab used to be incredible at that particular aspect. But again, we've seen Thiago play as a six and didn't work because he just couldn't make those challenges. He'd end up hacking people down. He was getting booked every game. And it's been the same thing with Alexis. And people are so obsessed with build-up, the importance of the build. We won a league title in the Champions League with Jordan Henderson, Fabinho and Ginny Wijnaldum in our midfield. Henderson treated the football like a bomb. Ginny was rarely on the ball. Fab's a decent passer, but he's not an inventive passer. Like, you don't necessarily need to have that centralised build when you've got Trent at right-back, when you've got Virgil at centre-back. And I've seen people criticise Virgil for not breaking the lines as much as passing this, this season. That's a tactical thing. That's a tactical thing. The same thing with him slowing the game down and putting his foot on the ball. That's a tactical decision. That's come from the manager and the coaching staff. That's not something he's doing by himself. He's been instructed to play that ball into Alexis McAllister. And it's not benefiting us. It's not benefiting Alexis. 
the decision not to sign a six in the summer is hurting us. And you can only really point at a handful of minutes in a couple of games where the midfield has actually looked cohesive this season. And it's largely been against teams that have no dynamic players in midfield. Anyone who's had dynamic players in midfield has caused us major issues in there. And I, I, I've still to understand why we signed Waturo Endo. Now, look, he's gotten better with each performance. He still doesn't look like he's good enough to start for a team with ambitions of finishing in the top four in the Premier League, let alone a team that would want to try and win the league. I do think we'll get to a situation where he will be starting more games in the league. But the decision not to sign that high-end holding midfielder is is holding us back at the moment. Now, we're doing really well. Let's be clear. We're three points off top. We're fourth in the league. But we could be even better off. There's been some missed opportunities over the last few games. And there's been games where we've just not been able to get that foothold in midfield. We're not getting the best out of Alexis. We're also not getting the best out of Dominic because he's been asked to do so much work defensively to make up for the fact that Alexis is struggling in that role. The same goes for Curtis. He's also been asked to do that. And Sam Maguire made the point that you could have put the best holding midfielder in the world in our midfield at the weekend and they still would have struggled. And that's true, but it's true because of Harvey Elliott. If it was Dominic and any of Alexis, Curtis or Ryan Gravenberg, then it wouldn't have been the case. But Harvey's a liability in midfield because if he doesn't have the physicality, he doesn't have the speed, he doesn't have the defensive awareness, he doesn't have the nous. His entire mindset is to attack. And yes, he gets... He gets through a lot of work and he harries people and he, you know, chases the ball. But he doesn't, he doesn't have any positive effect defensively. And when the game, when the ball goes behind him, he is completely out of the game. And again, people can use the comparison of David Silva and Bernardo Silva all they want. It's just silly. Bernardo Silva was 25 before he moved into a midfield role. Before that, he played in the wing. David Silva was 30. He played wing and he played 10. And then he moved deeper. Harvey Elliott is 20. And as things stand, he's not a patch on either of them as players. Now, he could get there, potentially. But he's not there now. So he doesn't offer what they offered on the ball. And you can throw all the, he's got the best build stats in the team at me all you want they're per 90 he's aided by the fact that he was playing 15 minutes a game Harvey's hurting us in midfield as he did last season and it's hurting him now he'll develop as a better all round player as a result but at the same time the, the primary focus has to be the good of the team And the best thing for the team is for Harvey not to play in midfield. If you're playing 
a back four with a box midfield. Then you could use Harvey as one of the the advanced eights in the team who drop wide into a midfield four when you lose the ball. But when he has to drop into a midfield three, that's where it becomes problematic. The best we've seen from Harvey this season was Wolves because he came on right wing in a midfield four. And he looked really good because that's the role for him. Uh, What else do we have on this is Anfield? Either way, either way, Alexis needs to be given a bit more rope by certain portions of the fan base who've been a little bit too quick to criticise him, considering he's been used pretty poorly at the moment. Uh, Liverpool's mix of brilliance and vulnerability leaves Klopp with habit to stamp out. Klopp hails special Eden Hazard, but he strived to reach Mo Salah's level. Um, it's, It's a shame how Eden Hazard's career went. Like, obviously he had success at Chelsea, but the move to Real has been was it was an unmitigated disaster. One of the worst transfers in history. Why Anfield will not host any games at Euro 2028? Because they picked the Everton Stadium instead. That's why. Um, it does annoy me that it's six English stadiums and only four between the other four countries. But it is what it is. Anfield, the pitch is also apparently too short. Um, it was always going to be the Everton Stadium. It's, it'll be brand new. It'll be shiny. It'll be fancy. That That's why it's going to be Everton Stadium. Same reason Tottenham Stadium is, is one of them, because it's new and it's shiny. 16 first-team Liverpool players called up for internationals as well as eight youngsters. So, let's see. Alisson's gone with Brazil. Virgil's gone with the Netherlands. Ibu with France. Gerald Quonson was called up to England's on the 21s. Trent is with England. Robles with Scotland. Costas with Greece. Dominic with Hungary. Alexis with Argentina. Harvey's with the England on the 21s. Uh, Endos with Japan, Salah with Egypt, Nunes with Uruguay, Diaz with Colombia, Jota is with Portugal, and Ben Doak, is he with the Scotland under-21s or is he with Scotland's senior team? Yeah, Scotland's under-21s. Then in terms of youth, Owen Beck was called up. Owen Beck was called up for the Welsh senior squad. That's pretty good. Uh, Luke Chambers is with England's under-20s. Callum Scanlon is with the under-19s. Jaden Dans is with the under-18s. And Trey Nyoni. Nyoni? Is that right? I think that's right. Uh, is with England's under-17s. By all accounts, he is incredibly impressive since joining. And uh, by all accounts, a big coup for us to get him because all the other top clubs in England were looking to bring him in. Uh, Lewis Kuma, Kumas has been called up for the Wales under-19 teams team. 
and Trent Coney Doherty for the Ireland under 19 team. Adrian Pitaluga, Matip, Gomez, Gravenberg, Jones, and Carvalho have not been called up. Well, Adrian, not a surprise. Joe Matip retired from international football years ago. Uh, Joe Gomez is not a surprise. Gravenberg has actually been left out. Like, they've made a decision to actually leave him out as punishment for not going to the last international camp. Uh, Curtis, I think, has aged out at 21, hasn't he? So, yeah, because he's 23 now, so definitely would have. So, um, yeah, he's he's not getting in the senior squad because, you know, Jordan Henderson has to be in the England squad because otherwise he'll have a tantrum. Uh, Fabio Carvalho, again, no surprise. They will hit his international futures up in the air because he committed to Portugal and then he told them he didn't want to play for the under-21s anymore. So we'll see what happens with him in the future. I think if he's banking on playing for England, he, he might have made a big mistake. Uh, Cuevin Kelleher is injured. Connor Bradley is injured. He would have been with Northern Ireland. Kelleher would have been with the Republic. Uh, Thiago, you'd expect he'd probably get back in the Spanish squad now that, that Enrique's gone. Besetic would have been with the Spanish under-21s. And Cody, obviously, would have been with the Netherlands it's great for all the young players to get those call-ups, especially Owen Beck getting called up to the senior national team for the first time is, is a really big boost for him. Liverpool youngster's strange absence continues as midfielder earns a ward. Uh, Liverpool younger James Balagizzi has been involved in just three of a possible 11 league games on loan this season. Hmm, that is odd. Because he started to look decent at Crowley. Had a slow start there, then got injured. Started to look good, then got injured. Um, And now he's going to Wigan. How are Wigan doing this season? Let's see. They're 23rd in the league. Now... That's because they had points stocked off them again. They've won four and drawn one of their 11 games. So they should have 13 points, but they had an eight-point deduction. Um, So they currently sit 23rd behind Reading, who also had points deducted, but in their case, only four. Cheltenham finally scored a goal. Uh, I don't know if you heard Carl mention this on Raw recently, but Cheltenham had gone 11 games without scoring. Um, they finally got a goal in a 1-1 draw against Cheltenham. Or against Derby, sorry. Against Derby. Which is actually a good result because Derby are up in eighth. They finally got a goal. So they failed to beat the all-time record, I think, for an aptitude front of goal. Um so with Wigan being 23rd, there's a couple of ways to look at it. Sometimes managers don't want to play young players in relegation battles, especially players that they're not sure are fully committed. And obviously, because he's on loan, that that's where the doubts would arise. But that is a bit odd. You'd expect that he'd get a little bit more, uh, a little bit more run in the team. Maybe once they get themselves out of the bottom three, he'll 
it could be bottom four because it's two teams relegated from League One into League Two. So if they get themselves out, I, I think they'll be fine. Jamie Carragher was right to reject Liverpool's swap and Eden Hazard just gave final proof. Eden Hazard has hung up his boots at the age of 32. Um, I assume it's Salah and, and Hazard and Salah's clearly the better player. No decision from Liverpool and Stefan Bassetti, just Trent Alexander-Arnold hit with VAR jibe. Liverpool transfer news as Jurgen Klopp willing to meet $32 million clause and Andre claim emerges. Let's go into that. There's a piece about Man City for reasons normally to this website. Liverpool should hijack Manchester United transfer with two new records. And Ibrahima Kanate knows why. We'll come back to that one. Uh, there's a piece about Gravenberg. There's a piece about João Polinha. I wouldn't be against it. His age counts against him. That's the thing. His age does count against him. There's a piece here about Goncalo Inacio. Again, I I feel like if we really wanted him, we would have signed him last summer, but maybe we'll go for him in January. Gary Neville refuses to change Liverpool prediction amid surprise Man United admission. Well, let's see what nonsense Neville has to say. Uh, We'll do that first, and then we'll look back at the transfer stuff. I'm not changing my predictions, by the way, for those of you who think I'm flip-flopping. But of what I've seen in eight to ten weeks, Manchester United are a lot worse worse off than I thought they were. Spurs are a lot better than I thought they were. Liverpool are better than I thought they were. That's probably the same as most people. Neville had previously predicted that Liverpool would finish ahead of Spurs, but behind Man City and Arsenal. Okay. He says he doesn't think United will finish top five this season. He believes that Chelsea would be closer to top five than United. Bizarre. Bizarre old stuff from Gary Chuckle. Um, Liverpool should hijack transfer. During the summer, Liverpool were heavily linked with Nice midfielder Kefren Turam, but no deal materialised. According to the spoofer with the catchphrase, the Reds held discussions over a possible move, but decided it was too expensive. That's not actually why they decided. It was because they signed Dominic instead. Um, I still I still think we missed out not getting Turam, to be completely honest. I think he would have been a tremendous signing for us. Um, okay, so the the piece itself is about Jean-Claire Tadibo, the centre-back, who can also play as a holding midfielder. Um, he set a new league record for the most touches in a game, 188 touches over the course of the game as Nice beat Mets 1-0 at the weekend. That's really impressive, to be fair. Uh, he also beat former PSG stars, star Thiago Mata's record for the most passes attempted. He made 101, 108, sorry, 181 passes in the game, completed 165 of them. That is ludicrous. Now, I didn't watch that game, obviously. I'd wonder how much of that is just sterile short passing that doesn't actually help anybody. 
But he is a good player, and I certainly wouldn't be against the idea of bringing him in as cover for Ibu. He's exactly the type of centre-back that we like physically, you know, big, strong, dominant in the air. Can be a little bit rash and error-prone, but he's good in the ball. He's tough as nails as well. Let's see. What's this? What 32 million clothes are we prepared to meet? Oh, Asana Diao. This is the, the kid from Real Betis who looks outrageously talented. Um, and apparently we are keen to bring him on board. And then obviously the Andre stuff continues to go around and that comes from 90minute.com. So grain of salt on everything there. On anfieldindex.com, there is a piece about Asana Diaz. There is a piece about the international break, a piece about Diaz, one about Andre, one about Alexis, based on what Jan Molby had to say on the latest Molby on the spot, which is entitled Snookered. Trev and Jan having themselves a good old chinwag, so make sure you give that a listen and make sure you listen to the latest Minefield if you haven't heard that. And that's it. I will see you Thursday. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.